what has happened is theology, which is meant to be born and germinated and and developed in the ecclesial community, is now being in some ways artificially developed in a community that is outside of the context for which it was really intended. Yes. So you have this ecclesial anemia in theology, but then you get at the same time a theological anemia in the church, because what ends up happening then with this divide is that pastors no longer conceive of themselves principally as theologians. Welcome to today's episode of the CPT Podcast. I am your host, Todd Wilson. I'm joined with uh, today by my co-host and the managing director of the CPT, Zach Wagner. Hey, Todd. Good to see you, man. Today, we are... Uh, delighted to have a conversation with our very own pastor, Dr. Gerald Heastand, co-founder of the CPT. It's a fascinating conversation uh, about uh, his own story, his own development and life as a person, as a pastor, and as a theologian, and uh, the founding and, and uh, running of the CPT. Yeah, this is great because, I mean, this is, for those of us working here at the CPT, this is ground zero. This is, we're yes. always thinking about this, but it was, it was a great conversation, you know, back back to basics, getting back to kind of what's at the root of the entire vision of us as an organization. So excited to share this with uh, everybody out there. So here we are on the first ever episode of the CPT Podcast, and we are starting in the right place uh, with our special guest today, my dear friend, Pastor Gerald Heastand, doctor and pastor. Reverend Gerald, doctor. Re- doctor. Reverend doctor. Doctor Reverend. Reverend doctor. Doctor. Reverend. <laughs> That's right. The, uh, no, not honorable. What is it? Is, is the Reverend. Very honorable. The right, the right Reverend. Uh, the right Reverend. Very impressive. Yeah. One way or the other, very impressive. <laughs> Gerald Houston, we are going to talk today about the history of the CPT, the Center for Pastor Theologians, and what it means to be a pastor theologian. Uh, so we are going to need a couple of episodes, no doubt, to get through all of that. But uh, um, let's kick it off, Gerald, with uh, you giving our listeners a little background about who you are, uh, your biography, and uh, how you got here. Yeah, great. So... Um Grew up in the Chicago area, went to Moody Bible Institute, where I did my undergraduate degree, and then uh, served in pastoral ministry for a number of years, went back to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, did an MA there, and then went off to uh, the University of Reading in the UK, did a PhD in classics, and uh, did that while serving uh, at Calvary Memorial Church in Oak Park, just outside of Chicago, and then uh, last year, slotted into the senior pastor role at Calvary, and uh, been there since. You know, it's it's funny when we think back, when, even when we met 10, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I guess now, um, I think both of us, heard, uh, of course, heard the phrase pastor-theologian, but it wasn't being bandied about and used as much as it is today. And it's, I think, used in a lot of different kinds of ways. One of the things I think we want to talk about is how do we understand it, and yeah. how does the center um, define it, and, um, and, and so... Why don't you give us a one or two sentence definition of the pastor theologian, and then we can kind of elaborate. Well, one or two sentence. Wait, we wrote a might whole, be, we wrote a whole book. <laughs> 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 Condense it down into one or two second sentences. Well, yeah, this actually this is really one of the this is one of the real principal questions in the whole 
project of the Center for Pastor Theologians is the identity of the pastor theologian. Right. Right. So thinking about the taxonomy, which is, you know, it's in our book, The Pastor Theologian, Resurrecting an Ancient Vision. Uh, so if you want to get more information on that, you can go right to that chapter. But to try to summarize that chapter, we have been thinking of the pastor theologian along a threefold taxonomy. And uh, you can think of the pastor theologian as the local theologian, and in this case you've got a pastor that is um, takes theology seriously, uh, yeah. the responsibility of leading their congregation seriously, they think about preaching and counseling and church leadership through the lens of theology, take theology and integrate it into their ministries, and they conceive of themselves rightly as the theological leader of their local congregation. Yes. So that's how we come up with the term local. Thoughtful, theologically-minded yeah. local church pastor. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, may their tribe increase. We think every pastor yes. should be yep. this kind of pastor, right? It's really um, the front line yeah, of ministry. Absolutely. So the local theologian, as a pastor theologian, and in that sense, every pastor should be a pastor theologian. Yes. Uh, and then you have another kind of idea of the pastor theologian, that I think is in circulation today, and that would be the the idea of the pastor theologian as popular theologian. And here I have a little bit in mind, uh, somewhat uh, maybe pivoting off of uh, some stuff that David Wells has done, where he talks about the pastor as a broker between the theology that's happening in the academy and then the people in the pews. So there's academic theology, and someone need, which is good and useful and helpful right. and all the rest of it. And someone needs to translate, translate that it. stuff. Yeah. So when we think of when I, you know, I don't know, popular is the term we came up with, but you could think of it as a broker or a translator. But this is a pastor that occupies a middle space between, say, the academy or high-level scholarship and the average person in the pew. And how do you how do you reframe it, repackage it? And make it accessible and useful to people in the pew. Yeah, and that's not that's not popular in the sense of merely popular, right. as it's sometimes sometimes used. Yeah, and it's good to really underscore that we don't mean this in any kind of pejorative way, right? Right, because that's, that's my point. Because popularizing theology is hard work; it's important work, and doing it well is not is not easy, right? But that that's another way of thinking about the pastor theologian, and uh, that sort of kind of idea of the pastor theologian is in play, I think, out uh, in and amongst uh, North American Christianity and beyond. So you've got the local theologian who's exercising leadership to their local congregation. You've got the popular theologian who is translating or brokering theology more broadly uh, than just their local congregation. Uh, so that's a difference between the local theologian and the popular theologians. The popular theologian is is working broadly. So whether it's through a writing ministry perhaps through a podcast, uh, doing it like that. Then then we get to the thing that the center has uh, focused on, not to the exclusion of these first two, but is, I think, a new contribution for us. The secret sauce. The secret sauce is what we're calling the pastor as ecclesial theologian. And here what we're thinking of is a pastor theologian that is doing their theology not just for their own local congregation, though they are certainly doing that. That's prime and center to what an ecclesial theologian does, so it's a local church pastor. They're not just doing popularizing moves where they're translating yeah. uh, scholarship, but they are actually themselves contributing to theological and scholarly discourse. Bonafide theologians as local church pastors. Right. Now, what happens as soon as we say that is people think, oh, so then what you mean is... 
you mean pastors who are doing academic theology with yes. the academics. And that's been a conversation in well-known periodicals like Christianity Today. Right. And a different phrase is sometimes used, the pastor-scholar. Right. That's not exactly the way we've talked about it. Right, because we're not trying to say with the ecclesial theologian, we're not trying to cast the vision of a pastor who is doing from the pastor's study the exact same theological project that the professor is doing in the academy. They just happen to be sitting in a different place doing it. Yeah, and I think that's actually a really important point to underscore. There is certain kind of privileges of leisure that come with, and again, leisure not used in a pejorative way here, but the, the, the vocational space that's given to research and writing and scholarship in an academic setting that makes it such that truly that setting tends towards certain levels of scholarship and really detailed, gritty-oriented scholarship that's just inaccessible to a pastor who has to spend 40 hours a week leading his or her congregation. Like, that's been a, that's been a critique of folks on the academic theology side of the kind of p- idea of the pastor-theologian is, like, you, you can't possibly do this well on top of your other full-time job. Right, and I, and I think that the, if we're conceiving of the pastor-theologian as ecclesial theologian as just another name for the academic theologian trying to do high-level academic scholarship, then that's, yeah, that's not going to work, and it's not what we're talking about. Because the level of research requirement yeah. here uh, for the academic theologian is probably beyond what is possible from the from the pastorate. But that doesn't mean that the only thing that's left to do is just to translate the research that's yes. being done by the academics, right? Because there is um, what the pastor theologian loses in kind of the institutional support and infrastructure and the time for doing uh, research. They what they make up for that is being um, located in the social location where theology has to actually take root. So the ecclesial theologian, Gerald, as you mentioned, really has been our passion. We've tried to embody that as pastors, advocate for that. We argue that case in the book. Summarize for our listeners the heart of the argument, why the ecclesial theologian is just so important for the renewal of theology for the life of the local church. Yeah, I think if you go back, you can take the story back into North American history and just look at it as a North American question, or you can go back further into just the history of the church. But one of the things you see is that uh, in the early days of the church, the separation between pastor and theologian is it's not really existent in the ways that yes. we think about it and on the other side of the of the modern research university. And, and, and real quick, when, so, give us some historical yeah, context. Yeah, so by 1800, you're starting to see that, you know, the Enlightenment has begun to drive a wedge between the universities and the churches, which before that, the universities were just extensions of the yes. church, right? But with the Enlightenment, now we're getting we're getting a wedge between the universities and the church. The balance of intellectual power is shifting towards the universities. Yes. The universities are increasingly secularizing and working in opposition to the church, uh, and this is yes. kind of the European narrative here that I'm, I'm talking about. And it has all kinds of impact on the way theology is conceived, right. done... Its so relationship to the life of the church, pastoral yeah. training and formation. Exactly. So when you were Thomas Aquinas doing theology in the universities, uh, you were conceiving of yourselves in many ways as operating in, yes. in the church. Serving right? the church as a theologian. Absolutely. But, you know, fast forward a millennia, and 
uh, to do theology in the universities is no longer to do theology in service of the church. Not that it can't be done in service of the church, but it, that's not, uh, it's not an assumed norm anymore. And, and for our listeners to, to appreciate, we're not saying that simply because we stand on the pastor side of this equation, right? This, would be, this is a common conversation for sure. in the theological guild and in, in academia of the, the divorce or the separation of the—sometimes it's called the Bible and the Church, critical biblical studies, academic theology, and the life of the Church. Many, many academic theologians talk this way as well. Is that right? That's right. I mean, we're not—we haven't identified a new problem. Yes. Um, there has always been this ditch that is complained about, whether it's folks on the Church side— that look towards the academic institutions and say, you guys are talking about a bunch of stuff that just doesn't connect with us, or it's folks on the academic side that say the church is just so pragmatically driven, it, it won't take a moment to reflect on things and take seriously the life of the mind. And 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 then there's folks on both sides that recognize a need to, to bridge this yeah. bridge this gap. But what what I would say that's unique about what we're doing in the center and also our vision for the ecclesial theologian is that since the divide, everyone, it seems, has largely just made peace with the divide, right? So it's it's just assumed that theology is going to live in the academic environments and and be done there, and then it somehow is going to have to make its way back to the church. So it'll be born in the in the academy, it will be nurtured in the academy, it will reach maturity in the academy, and then it will have to like migrate over to the church somehow. Yes. And pastors then have been looked to, and or ecclesially-minded professors have been looked to, to kind of, you know, to keep the imagery, kind of herd theology back over to the church. Yes. Right. Hey, everyone, just a quick note about an event we're hosting later this year here at the CPT. On October 14th to 16th, just outside of Chicago, we'll be hosting our fifth annual Theology Conference. The theme for this year's conference is A Christian Vision of Technology, and we're really excited to be welcoming Andy Crouch, Pastor Charlie Dates, Karen Swallow Pryor, and many other awesome speakers. It's going to be a really great event, and if you're listening to this before April 1st, 2019, you can register right now for just $89 a person or just $49 if you're a student. This is honestly a great deal for a great event. And even if you're listening after April 1st, you can still register for just a little bit more. If you want to learn more about the conference, you can find more information by visiting cptconference.com. We'd love to see many of you there. Thanks. Welcome back to the Center for Pastor Theologians podcast. Let's get right back into our conversation with Pastor Gerald Heastand on the theme of the Pastor Theologian. I think when I was in school, just without even intentionally developing this kind of paradigm for thinking about it, I always conceived of it as like a trickle-down system mm -hmm. with like local church congregants at the bottom and like top-tier academic theologians and biblical scholars at the top. And it would trickle down to like like your research folks to your college professors who aren't doing research, but they're teaching people uh, to people in school to like pastors and then down to the congregant. So there was almost this like some sort of theological 
trickle-down economics. Yeah, and another. what's assumed in all of that, I mean, whatever metaphor is used, you know, but what's assumed in all of that is that the academy is the producer of right. theology. But that has just simply not always been the case. Right. And uh, the, there was a day, both in North America and then also uh, in the larger history of the church, where the principal producer of theology was the church itself with its clergy and its pastors. And so the church didn't have to look outside of itself to go find theology, translate it, and then bring it back in, right? But it was producing it itself. And so what we've been trying to, to figure out is, without turning back the clock, without pretending that we can go back to Jonathan Edwards, you know, 17th century New England, or back to, you know, Augustine's North Africa in the 5th century, like, is there a way to have that insight be worked out in our contemporary context? Is there a way for pastors to begin functioning once again as bona fide theologians? They're thinking about the life of the church, the issues that are coming up to them in their pastoral practice, seeing what is needed, and then developing theological syntheses and and putting together theological systems, drawing from the great tradition to then address these issues without not not ignoring what's going on in the academy because we certainly we're past the point where we can just you know ignore the academy we need we need the academy um, but how can we rather than just passively receiving that work how can we contribute to that discourse and come up with theological s- synthesis and paradigms that are useful for the church in and of ourselves and this is uh this is what we're thinking about when we talk about the ecclesial theologian we're thinking about a a pastor that is situated vocationally in the ecclesia, in the church, and is allowing church concerns to drive their theological reflection and scholarship and research and writing, and then is producing theology that is directed towards the church, which doesn't necessarily mean that it's written for congregants. It is written principally for other church theologians, uh, in the same way that academic theology is not principally written for, uh, you know, congregants, it's written for other academics, right? We're envisioning the ecclesial theologian is doing work for other church theologians. And by church theologians, we mean not just academic theologians that have a mind for the church. Right. We mean pastors who are theologians in their own right. That's right. That's right. And now, there will be a necessity perhaps even for some translating work from ecclesial theology down to the to the congregant right so now there may not be it may be that 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 works uh without a lot of translating but there may need to be some translating work so you know you can think about it even in the way that there's a bifurcation now in the medical community between research doctors and and uh, yes. general practitioners right and you'll have that same sort of complaint uh, that emerges, and there are some doctors that stand kind of in the middle space who are seeing patients who they're uh, in private practice they're in private practice, but they're publishing papers but they're also publishing papers and that's a unique kind of middle space yes. between the academic medical community and then the private practice medical community and we're trying to recreate that middle space for the past and, we, and we've been working on this, but in our view, Gerald, there are some serious costs with outsourcing theology to the academy and pastors relinquishing, you might say, the res- or giving up, in, even inadvertently giving up their responsibility to be theological leaders for the church. 
how do we describe what, what what are some of the things kind of top of your mind is the impact of that that are negative and unhelpful for the life of the church right so what we've talked about uh, with the bifurcation of of theology and the church that is the result of the kind of the the post enlightenment divide what has happened is theology which is meant to be born and germinated and and developed in the ecclesial community is now being, in some ways, artificially developed in a community that is outside of the context for which it was really intended. Yes. And so you end up, I think, with an ecclesially anemic theology. The and language we use in the book. That's right. And this is, again, to your point you made earlier, this is not this is not just a complaint on the church side, although right. I think you, you do have churches that complain about theology that isn't in touch with the church. But even academics, Christian academics who operate in the university context, broadly speaking, will complain all the time about theology right. that is just completely dislocated from right. any kind of a... We'll have academic meeting. conferences and start academic centers on university campuses, and we know of these, yeah. trying to bridge this divide. That's right. So you end up with an ecclesially anemic theology, but on the and flip real quick, side... Gerald, yeah. for our listeners who didn't take biology, anemic. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about a, a shortage of what white blood cells or red blood cells or something. See, neither of us no, are yeah, super... It was a great metaphor, but we didn't really understand it. <laughs> I had to Google it. I, I, believe it's, uh, I believe it's the red blood cells that are... Uh, and a shortage yeah. of those. I thought yeah. it was a shortage of iron, wasn't it? Maybe. No, it is a shortage of iron, but aren't they, isn't that in the red blood cells? We're going to go with red blood cells. Okay. There's a shortage of something. Um, but that's the point. There's yeah. a shortage of something. That, yeah, there's a weakness that is, there. that is critical for the health of the organiz yeah. organism. That's right. So you have this ecclesial anemia in theology, but then you get, at the same time, a theological anemia in the church, because what ends up happening then with this divide is that pastors no longer conceive of themselves principally as theologians. So now today, if I were to say so-and-so as a theologian, almost everybody who's listening would conceive of that person as having a vocational home in the academy. Pastors don't think of themselves anymore principally as theologians. And if pastors aren't thinking of themselves as theologians and not taking their theology and their theological calling seriously, that has an effect on the congregations that they lead. Again, this problem has been recognized for a long time, and so much of what's trying to be done to date is to get the church and the academy to sort of be in conversation with each other or to have people that are kind of brokers in between. What we're trying to do is recreate a lost vocation yes. that stands between these two places and that is able to operate at the same level of the academic institutions now but has a heart and a mind and a theological vision and a theological sense agenda. Sense of responsibility. Sense of responsibility. It. I think that's an important, that's a very important point, right? Is that the sense of responsibility is principally towards the ecclesial community. The way that they are framing their theological research, what drives their agenda, why they study what they study, why they read what they read, why they write what they write is all driven by uh, what's going on uh, in their vocational So. Life. Gerald, it is a little bit ironic that we still have to use the phrase pastor-theologian as a hyphenated word. Right. And I think we're hoping that this podcast can be just a little bit of an exercise in modeling the pastor as theologian. That's really what we're, we're exactly hoping right. to try to do. That's right. right. Um, so just to kind of wrap things up, 
I wonder if either of you could talk about maybe a little bit of recommended reading on this idea of the pastor theologian. I can think of at least one book that might be helpful <laughs> to our listeners. Uh, is there anything that you think? Uh, well, we've got so the book about? Todd and I wrote, "Pastor Theologian: Resurrecting an Ancient Vision." With Zondervan. With Zondervan. And then uh, one of our conference, uh, our CPT conferences was on this topic, and that is Becoming a Pastor Theologian. That's with IVP Academic. Uh, Kevin Van Hooser, uh, who is one of our CPT uh, theological mentors, along with Owen Strand, wrote Pastor Theologian. The Public Theologian. The Pastor is Public Theologian. theologian. Uh, That came out at the same time our Important to note, a slightly different vision. Yep. Yeah, complimentary. Complimentary, but, yep. but just slightly different. On the theme of Pastor Theologian. There you have it, folks. Great suggested resources for finding out more about the Pastor Theologian and the vision that is the animating energy for the Center for Pastor Theologians. And Pastor Gerald Heastan, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast today. Don't go anywhere. We're going to have some more conversations uh, in the future. Great. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CPT Podcast, a theology podcast for the church. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider throwing us a like, sharing the podcast online, subscribing, leaving a review. Uh, Anything like that would go a long way towards helping other people hear about the podcast. The CPT Podcast is a ministry of the Center for Pastor Theologians. You can learn more about the CPT by visiting us at pastortheologians.com. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our host for today's episode was Todd Wilson. Our producer and editor was Trenton Jones. Our music was composed by Andrew Gerlicher. I'm Zach Wagner. Thanks for listening.